0: There is a phrase, though, that you recognize. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. It's a lot of fun to say. As Jesus hung from the cross, he said that. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Our Lord knew what it meant to be forsaken. He cries out in the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that moment when he chose willingly took on the sins of the whole world, not that he had ever sinned, but he took them on himself and suffered the consequence of sin. He understood the brokenness and the separation from God. Eli, Eli, lama Jesus quotes Psalm 22, verse 1, as he hangs there on the cross. This psalm that we're looking at today is a psalm of David. David wrote it as a part of his life. David knew what it meant to be in despair. He knew what depression was. He ran from King Saul. He hid in caves. He he lost a child. He ran from his own son, Absalom. He understood despair and depression in his own life. But this joyful psalm, This really dark and sad psalm that we're reading today doesn't fit anywhere in David's life. There's nowhere that we would point to and say, that's when he wrote it. Because the psalm that we read today is a picture of an execution. It shows us the suffering of a man dying at the hands of other men. The only one that fulfills this text is our Lord Jesus. And so this psalm that David wrote prefigures Jesus' coming and the way that he will die. In the psalm, we see a pattern. Deep despair. David cries out to God. And then he remembers. He remembers what God had done. And then he cries out to God in his despair. And he remembers. Remembers what God had done for him. And then at the end, he worships God and says, They will worship you. And he talks about all people to the end. David wrote this psalm knowing despair. But he also gives us an incredible pattern of how we deal with despair and depression in our own life. It is true that in the Christian church and in our culture today, depression is pervasive. We've all experienced depression to one degree or another, or have been impacted by it in someone else's life. This is something that is real. The thing about our church, though, is that we shame people who are depressed. We think, if you're a real Christian, you won't be depressed, you won't be in despair. Today, I hope that we can change your mind on that. Because here's the reality. David knew despair. He knew depression. Christ knew despair. If you look through the Old Testament, it was like a prerequisite to be a prophet, to be depressed. Depression and despair is part of our lives, but God gives us hope. And so, as we jump into the text today, my question to you is, How will you respond to despair in your life or in someone else's life? So with your Bibles open to Psalm 22, let's pray. Father, we come before you on a beautiful day in a beautiful valley, and we have lots of things to to praise you for to be gathered with the church family, to enjoy the things that you have given to us. But most of all, we have reason to be joyful because of what you have done in your son, Jesus. And so today, we thank you for him. We thank you that he walked through the pit of despair, and yet he fulfilled it in a way that was honoring and glorifying to you and Gave victory to us. And so we thank you for that today. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The first point that I want to make today is this, is that God is with you in your despair. As David writes this psalm, he feels as though God is far away. There are a number of times where he says, how far, O oh Lord. He seems like he's way out there. He feels forsaken. And so we see this, that we feel alone in our despair. If you look at verse 1 and 2, he asks those questions. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The word forsaken means to leave or to desert. David feels all alone. He says, why are you so far from me? So far from my cries? And then he takes it the next step. In his loneliness, he says, why won't you answer me? Why won't you respond to my question? In that loneliness, in that feeling deserted, he comes to this place and he says, Why can't I rest? I have no rest. David feels that God has left him and now he is all alone. No one is with him, he is completely deserted, and that despair leads him to feel this way. We feel worthless in our despair. Jump down with the next despair section in this text to verse 6 through 8, and he says, I am a worm. I'm not even a man. There's, There's a sense of worthlessness in David. He says, I have been scorned and despised. All people mock me. This is the depth of despair. They insult me. He comes to a place where he feels foolish for believing in God. David expresses this feeling of being all alone, completely worthless, and broken. Which leads him to feel attacked. We feel attacked in our despair. Look down at verse 12 through 18. In a gruesome passage, he talks about being surrounded by bulls that are like lions with their mouths open wide, looking to devour their prey. He's encircled by dogs. He just feels like he is attacked and beaten down by whatever's happening in his life. And he says, they pierce my hands and my feet. All of my bones are on display. I hope right now you have an image of something that comes later in the text. As they divide my clothes, they play a game or cast lots for my garments. He feels attacked, completely destroyed. He's at the bottom of the pit with no help and no hope, which leads us to a fourth emotion we feel in our despair. We feel hopeless in our despair. Zero in there on verses 14 and 15, he says... I'm poured out like water. My my joints are disjointed. They're pulled out of joint. My heart, or what he's saying there is my courage, my bravery, my strength is like wax and it has melted inside of my chest. I am parched. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. I have nothing left to give. And he talks about being laid in the dust. It is hopeless. He feels destroyed and though he's going to die. Remember, there's not a single event in David's life that would lead us to this place where he's going to be executed like this. But this feeling of despair, it's real. It was real for David, and it's real in our lives we experience these kinds of emotions and we can walk outside and look around and say, why do I feel this way? Sometimes it's because we've made bad choices. Sometimes it's stress-induced. Sometimes it's biology and the way that we're made. But regardless of how we experience it, it's real. And the pain hurts. I know for me, when I experience despair, it's a feeling of loneliness. I ask questions like, why do I have to do everything? Why am I the only one who cares? Why does no one pursue me? I feel these things. And although the questions aren't accurate, people do pursue me, other people do care, I don't have to do everything. but it feels real to me. But in the despair, one thing that has brought hope for me is to know that Christ knows despair far more than I do. Our next point today is that Christ knows despair. I'm going to turn in my Bible to Matthew chapter 27. And we're going to paint a picture here of the despair that Christ knows and as I read this section of scripture, I want you to think about how it connects back to Psalm 22, which uh, Jacob read earlier. Matthew 27, starting in verse 27, says this: Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and pulled and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand. Then they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, the king of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put on his own clothes. Then they led him away to crucify him. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots, and sitting down, they kept watch over him. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the son of God. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. In Matthew 27 we see a picture of Jesus being brutally tortured. His hands and his feet pierced and his nailed to a cross in crucifixion. We see those that are coming by mock him and insult him. And we can see very clearly Psalm 22 is all about Jesus. Psalm 22 is a picture foretelling what would happen to the Messiah. Christ, in that moment, he's all alone. His disciples have scattered. He knows what it means to be alone, and when he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Even the Father steps away because of the sin of the world is put on Jesus. He knows what it means to be alone. He knows what it means to be insulted, to be mocked, To be made fun of he knows what it means to be attacked and to be beaten the thing is is as they hurl these mocking accusations towards him many of them most of them are true he is the son of god he could have taken himself off that cross he could have saved himself but he chose not to Because he knew there was a purpose. And so he went through the pain so that he could achieve victory for you and for me over sin and death. He did that willingly for us. In Hebrews chapter 4, starting in verse 14, it says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven who has passed through the heavens Jesus the son of god let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who is able to sympathize unable to sympathize with our weakness but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus went through despair. He knows despair. And he did so so he could save us, adopt us into his family, and then walk with us in those times where we experience despair. This week, as I'm preparing for this, um, in a very small way, God began to show me what this looks like, and I mean a very small way. But we had sports camp at Westside this last week, and so tons of kids running around, lots of volunteers. We went through like 200 gallons of water a day trying to keep people hydrated. And on Wednesday, I'm showing up and I'm tired. I'm done. And I think about the headache that's coming from the dehydration, the stickiness from all of the sweat. I'm thinking about the pain of kids punching me and jumping on my back, and that's just my kids. And so, like, I see these things happening, and I begin to feel that irritation inside. And God began to say, you think de- dehydration is bad? You have water. The Lord Jesus had nothing to drink. He knew dehydration. His tongue stuck to the roof of his mouth. You think you're going to have pain because a kid kicks you? Or punches you or the Lord Jesus had nails driven through his hands and his feet a spear in his side thorns on his head he was flogged to the point his bones were exposed the Lord Jesus knows pain he knows suffering and this isn't to minimize our pain and suffering but it's to say that through our pain and suffering we can connect with our Savior one of the purposes for your pain for your suffering for your despair is the opportunity to connect with your savior our pain is real it hurts and oftentimes we want to avoid it in my home when our boys fall and scrape a knee or you know hurt themselves as boys do i'm really quick to say good thing you're tough buddy You know, and the hope is that he'll jump up and run off and play and we don't have to deal with the tears and, you know, all of those kinds of things. But in that, I'm helping him avoid pain. It's part of what we do. And I'm learning that we shouldn't do that. That when we have pain, we should acknowledge this hurts, this is not fun, this is not comfortable. But we press into it because God will use our pain for intimacy with himself. Jesus knows pain and he will walk with you through it. Will you choose to take your pain and connect with your savior? Because there's a second purpose. The first purpose to our pain is we can connect with the Lord. The second purpose is we can help other people. First or 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 3 through 7 says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in, many, uh, in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the suffering of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same suffering we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our suffering, so also you share in our comfort. Our pain will help us connect with our Savior. And our pain will help us bring comfort to those around us. The first point today was that God is with you in your despair. The second point was that Christ knows despair. The third point today, God holds his own. As we walk down through there, there were those sections of despair in Psalm 22. Now we're going to go back and look at those sections where David remembered. But I want you to remember this. God holds his own. In John chapter 10, verse 27, we read this. Jesus is speaking and he says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. God holds his own. He holds us in his hands, and we will never be taken from him. And as David works through his despair, he remembers that God held his own. Look at verse three. He says, Israel praised God because of the goodness that God had shown to them. In verse four, he talks about how his ancestors trusted God and they experienced God's goodness. In verse five, he talks about how they cried out to God and he saved them. David in his despair remembers what God had done and it brings hope. Second thing that David remembers in this, come in verse nine through 11, when when he says, or when he remembers that God holds him since his birth. David talks about how God made him trust him from his birth, from the breast of his mother. God made him follow after him. David's experienced God's companionship and he remembers it in the moment of despair. It's important for us when we feel those things to remember what God has done, both through the nation of Israel, through all of church history, and in our own lives. The third thing that David remembers in verse 19 through 21 is that God saves them for his glory. David looks back and sees all of the things that God has done for the nation of Israel, and he says, it has been for the glory of your name. David, in despair, remembers. How about you? Do you remember what God has done for you? Do you remember the moment that you were saved? Do you remember those big moments in your life that God came through and he provided for you? Do you remember how God has provided in good ways for your life? Do you remember times that you have felt his love? For me, I came to know the Lord when I was a senior in high school. Earlier, I told you that when I experience despair, it's really around loneliness. Well, when I was a senior in high school, it was the summer after my senior year. Um, Had just um, dropped off a friend to go on a trip and there was loneliness that began to set in in that moment. So I go home thinking the family will be there, right? No. Dad was off working. My sister was doing whatever she was doing. My mom wasn't around. And the loneliness kept setting in even more and more. And I remember walking to my bedroom thinking about this God that I had heard about who takes away pain. And I got on my knees next to my bed And I said something like, I don't even know if you exist, but I heard that you can take away pain. If it's true, prove it. Amen. And he did. In that moment, God came into my life and he literally took the pain away and set me on a course of pursuing him for the rest of my life. I can think of times like when we had our first kid and the overwhelming stress of that new life that is going to be ours and God using Mark 5 and the phrase that Jesus says to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe. And God overwhelmed me in that moment with his love and grace. As we deal with our despair, we need to remember who God is and what he has done there will be a time where you have the opportunity to either deal with your own despair or help someone else in that. And I just want you to know this. Sometimes there's a medical reason for it. And sometimes people need to go get help from a a doctor. But every time, there is a spiritual implication in our despair. And those people need to know about Jesus. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, we can help them remember. We can help them remember what God has done for us in the text, for them. We can help them remember. And in remembering, it leads us to the final point today, which is God is worthy of praise in our despair. Verse 22, David says, I will declare your name. He's talking about, even in the despair, I will declare your praises. In verse 24, he says, he has not scorned or despised the one, Jesus. Verse 26, he says, the poor will eat and be satisfied. Verse 27, the ends of the earth will remember and turn. Verse 29, the rich will feast. David remembers the promises of God and says, God is going to be good to these promises And in verse 31, he says this. Of the people in all of the world, he says, they will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. He has done it. That phrase reminds us of the last thing that Christ said when he was on the cross. It is finished. Christ has Gained victory over sin and death. Christ has rescued us and brought us to a new life. Christ has done it. Church, the Lord Jesus, he did it. He went through despair to do it. And so he knows where we are at. He is with you in your despair because he knows your despair and can empathize with you. He holds you in your despair and he will use your despair for your good, the good of others, and his glory. And so church, we can know that it is finished because he has done it. And so as you leave today, here's what I want you to know. God holds you. Today, as you come, if you are up, if you're on the mountaintop experience, you're experiencing joy in your life, God holds you, and I want you to remember who blessed you. Don't ever forget that God has given you every good thing. But today, if you come and you are down, if you feel that you're in the pit of despair, remember, God holds you. He holds you in his hands. You cannot be taken from him. Today, if you come and you believe in this God, if you are confident in your salvation and you know that Jesus has saved you, remember who drew you. He holds you. If today you come filled with doubt and wonder if this God really exists, remember his good works. Cry out to him. He will come to you. As we continue in worship today, we're going to remember what he did. We're going to remember the Lord's Supper and communion. And as we do that, we consider our hearts and we look up to our God who has saved us. And together as God's people, we will all praise him because he as.